Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1143 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Kinley. She's 21 years old, has had type 1 diabetes for just over a year. We're going to talk about a lot, actually. There's a misdiagnosis in here, Omnipod 5, body image issues, an anorexia diagnosis, and a lot more. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. When you place your first order... For AG1 with my link, you'll get five free travel packs and a free year's supply of vitamin D. Drink AG1.com slash juice box. Don't forget to save 40% off of your entire order at CozyEarth.com. All you have to do is use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. That's JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% at CozyEarth.com. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. If you're a U.S. resident and have type 1 diabetes or are the caregiver of someone with type 1, the T1D exchange is looking for you. T1DExchange.org slash juicebox. Take about 15 minutes to join the registry. Just fill out that survey. And when you've completed the survey, you're helping people with type 1 diabetes and you're supporting the Juicebox podcast. T1DExchange.org slash juicebox. The T1D Exchange is looking for everyone, but in particular right now, males and males of color. If you fit the bill or if you have a child who fits the bill, please reach out. T1DExchange.org slash juicebox. My name is Kinley Fenton, and I am 21 years old, and I'm a college student, and I have had type 1 diabetes for a little bit over a year. Just a year? Yes. I was diagnosed in April of 2022. Wow, that is recently. Okay. So, yeah, I got sick, though, in 2021 like the fall of 2021, but we didn't figure out that it was diabetes until April of 2022. So you think that your first kind of showing of type one happened in the fall, but maybe there was a honeymoon and your pancreas kind of picked back up again and kept you going a little longer? So I got COVID and mono at the same time Okay. in September of 2021. Kissing somebody and- with COVID? Is that how that happens? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I got that in September of 2021. And they think that's when it happened. And I continued to get sick just constantly. I was constantly sick all the way until April. And then it was like a couple weeks before I went to get checked. And that's when like my symptoms really started picking up. And I had a best friend in high school and her dad had type one diabetes. And I remember her mom telling me like all of the warning signs of type one diabetes. Mm. And I was like, Hmm, (laughs) I think maybe (laughs) I might have that. (laughs) And so that's when I went to go get checked. Kinley, I'm old, but Mm -hmm. I had mono around the age you had it. And Uh I, I remember it as an incredibly miserable experience. It was awful. Yeah. And then so I, bad. I had COVID last year, which was also uh-huh. miserable for me. Yes. You had very. them at the same time. I had them at the same time. How long did that last for? I don't think I truly recovered from my mono <laughs> until I was diagnosed. Like it, oh. I was just constantly tired and like, I just could not, I just could not get rest. And so I was really sick with mono and then also having diabetes on top of that and not knowing I was just miserable is, and I kind of, well, oh sorry. no, go ahead. No, 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 don't, don't worry. Yeah. I was just going to go ahead. Keep talking. I'll, I'll ask my question when you're done. I just kind of like attributed it to college mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm just tired. You know, our dorms are kind of gross. Like mm-hmm. I'm probably just getting sick from mold or something. Like, I don't know. 
But yeah, it turns out it was not that. My son was sick his entire freshman year from how dirty his dorm was. <laughs> yes. And I, I mean, that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. and my family, like they didn't know, you know, we all just attributed it to college and just being tired and just constantly yeah. going. Is mono a thing they can absolutely diagnose like with a test or did they just, mm-hmm. they did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They took my blood and, and they tested it for mono. They were like, Ooh, Kinley, you were kissing somebody. Like, yeah, like that. I was like, <laughs> wasn't me. You must be able to get that a different way. <laughs> I was like, man, there's so many different ways you could get that right. Oh my God, mom. What, uh, what happened? <laughs> yeah, my parents were like, oh, mono. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they, it, it, I think I got that from a dirty dish towel. Now, um, <laughs> so you get the diagnosis for the type one. Are you at college when that happens? Yes, I was a sophomore in college. But you were actually on campus when it happened. I was on campus. Yes. So you're at the like the little health office going like, hey, I know you don't know anything, but I think I'm sick or you call your parents or how's it going? I went I went to the doctor. I didn't go to the campus doctor. I went to one in a town close to me. Okay. And I had just I called or I had told my friends and my family, I was like, I just really think that I need to go get tested for diabetes. Hmm. And, you know, everyone was kind of like, oh, Kinley, like, whatever, like, shut up, you know. And I was like, yeah, I just think maybe I just, and I was just so sick and tired at this point. And I was like, even if I don't have diabetes, I just really hope that they can at least figure out what is wrong. Like, I didn't know if I was having another mono flare up. I didn't know if I had COVID, I didn't know what was happening. But you were dragging. You were really tired and felt terrible. I felt so, I have not known like they told me when I was diagnosed, they were like, you are about to figure out just how bad you have been feeling. Okay. And they were right. Like as soon as I started treating myself, it, I just felt like I had so much energy and you know, it came with its complications of course, but yeah. How about that? I remember telling my mom and she was like, okay. And I even, I walked into the doctor's office and I told them that I wanted to be tested for diabetes. And they kind of looked at me funny and they were like, okay. And yeah. Tell me the reasons how you get to that on your own. Because, I mean, is there type one in your family? Is it, did no. you use the internet? Did you, how did you figure it out? No, there is no type one in my family. We have some type two, but no type one. Um, and like I said, my best friend in high school, her dad was had it. type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I just remember her mom telling me, some of the warning signs, like if you ever have to pee a bunch, if you're ever super thirsty, like you, those are some of the warning signs. Huh, and that stuck to you. Hey, before we keep mm-hmm. going, is there a fan or something noisy behind you? No. Okay. When you talk, I'm hearing a rumble behind you. So sometimes it's a. Oh, I hear a mower outside. Let oh, me is move. that it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I can move rooms so. though. Well, you could yell out the window and be like, man, I am <laughs> trying to make a podcast. Okay. I don't know how much they'd appreciate that. Well, I don't care. Are you at school right now or not yet? No, uh, I'm at school, but I'm at one of my friends' house right now. Okay. Because uh, it's impossible to find a quiet place in the dorm, mm. too. Yeah, no, you know, I've, I know. I, I, I've tried to talk to my daughter on the phone. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Yeah. It just doesn't work. It was easier with oh, my son okay. for some reason. Like, yeah. The boys would... They all turn into like little gentlemen. They're like, hey, hello, uh-huh. sir. Like that kind of stuff. I think that's how uh-huh. they, they hide what they're doing. No, I just know that someone would bust in my room and be like, what are you doing? Have you and... seen this video? Look at this cat. <laughs> I'd be like, this guy's Shut trying up. to clean out the litter box and the cat attacks him. <laughs> and then the other cat. <laughs> I would be like, okay. <laughs> okay. Is that better? You have to talk for me to know. Okay. Yes. Well, you got it. Okay. So what happens is you're wearing noise-canceling headphones, so when you're not speaking, it doesn't matter. And when you are speaking, it lets the noise of the mower. Isn't that crazy? Uh, Technology. Yeah. And I'm probably the only one that hears. Everyone listening right now is like, what the hell were you doing? But it's my (laughs) my brain just goes, "Uh uh-oh, there's noise behind her. Then I have trouble listening to you. So (laughs) That's okay. Once there was a time when I just told people, if you want a low and stable A1C, just listen to the Juice Box podcast. But as the years went on and the podcast episodes grew, it became more and more difficult for people to listen to everyone. So I made the Diabetes Pro Tip Series. 
This series is with me and Jenny Smith. Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's also a registered and licensed dietitian and a type 1 herself for over 30 years. And I, of course, am the father of a child who was diagnosed at age 2 in 2006. The Pro Tip series begins at episode 1000 with an episode called Newly Diagnosed or Starting Over. And from there, all about MDI, pre-bolusing, insulin pumping, bumping and nudging, variables, exercise, illness, injury, surgeries, glucagon, long-term health, bumping and nudging, how to explain type 1 to your family, postpartum, honeymoon, transitioning, all about insulin, temp basils. These are all different episodes. Setting your basal insulin, fat and protein, pregnancy, the glycemic index and load, and so much more, like female hormones and weight loss. Head now to juiceboxpodcast.com. Go up in the menu at the top and click on Diabetes Pro Tip. Or if you're in the private Facebook group, there's a list of these episodes right in the featured tab. Find out how I help keep my daughter's A1C between 5'2 and 6'2 for the last 10 years without diet restrictions. Juiceboxpodcast.com. Start listening today. It's absolutely free. I The mower is just like, He's like going around the house, so he might just he might find uh, your side again. <laughs> yeah, he might come back over. Don't here don't, don't get too focused on it. It wasn't terrible. Don't worry. Okay. Um, okay. So you walk into the doctor. You're like, "Hey, I'm self-diagnosing myself with diabetes," <laughs> and yeah. they they well, they do a finger stick or do they laugh? Uh, at you? No, they took my blood. Okay, and and so you didn't get an answer right away, or you did. Uh, I did. They checked my blood sugar levels and my A1C. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they knew right then that I had it. Uh, But they told me they didn't know what type. Yeah. They didn't know if it was type 1 or type 2. And so I was just given insulin pins and needles and (laughs) I'm laughing because how old were you? I was 20. Yeah. And how far from home do you is school? It's just an hour. Okay, so you got yeah. your your mom's on the way. Uh, my mom was there with me. Oh, she made it there with you. Okay, good. Yeah, she she came with me, and I was just sitting there like bawling my eyes out, <laughs> and they were like, "Here's all your stuff," and they just kind of gave it to me, and didn't really tell me how to use it at all. Really? Um, I was told to prick my finger like three times a day. And then I was given a sheet just based off of my blood sugar, how much insulin to give myself hmm. just until they figured out um, what type it was. I'm a little, so I'm a little surprised you didn't get better direction. Not that, I mean, most mm-hmm. people don't, that's not why I'm surprised. I'm surprised mm-hmm. because they did a very responsible thing by saying to you, we don't know what type of diabetes you have. So I thought, Oh, maybe you found a good doctor. Like, cause that part was, uh, uplifting to me. I was like, oh, that's the right way to say that. But then right. then you got like, here's the stuff. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. But I have a great doctor now. And mm-hmm. this was just my primary care physician. So sure. it wasn't an endocrinologist. Yeah. But it still just... though, like, Kelly, you know that you could have hurt yourself with that insulin. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting. So, all right. So yes. you... You make an appointment, I imagine, with an endo, but how long does it take to get that appointment? I and- did not make an appointment with an endocrinologist at that point. Hmm. You just went home so, with your pens and you were like, here we go. I went back to college and me and my mom went to Target <laughs> and we got a pretty pink case to keep all of my stuff in. <laughs> and just we were just trying to make it as good as we possibly could. And then she dropped me back off at school and I was just like, okay. I had no idea what was happening, and they were like, we'll contact you in two weeks and let you know what type it is. And so during those two weeks, I was just doing the best I could. I had a super scary low um, just because I didn't – I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I I had no idea what I was doing. And so I had a low, and then I ate a whole pack of Skittles because I didn't know what was happening, and then my blood sugar shot up to like 500, and I was like, what is going on? Mm. Can, we, and, I'm, I'm, can I tell you something to look uh-huh. forward to when you get older if you're going to have children? Uh-huh. You said my mom took me to Target and got me a pink case to put my stuff in, <laughs> yeah. and it made yeah. me cry. <laughs> oh. And now I'm going to have to explain to you why, because you're like five years old, like, you know, in the grand scheme of things. 
It's because I pictured your mom helpless trying to do something to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it made me, and now I'm all weepy. This is crazy. I gotta start taking testosterone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, shots. that's yeah. that's what it was because it's like at that point, what do you do? Mm. No, so. I mean, because it's her intention to leave you at school. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know anything about diabetes any more than you do. And the right. people at the doctor's office were like, "Here, here's the stuff." Like they didn't make mm-hmm. it sound like you were in trouble. Like right? Mm-hmm. So, right. What what what's your major? Psychology. Okay. All right. So. Do you play any sports at school? I do not. Okay. All right. All right. So you're back at school having low blood sugars, then driving your blood sugar up really high. This is just last right. year. Seriously, yeah. May, June, July. Like this, it's 16 months ago. So mm-hmm. what happens? Like, keep keep taking mm-hmm. me on this trip. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple, I just kind of honestly survived those two weeks. That was what I was doing, just trying to survive. And they called me and told me that I had type 2 diabetes because my pancreas was still making some insulin. That was their reasoning. And this is the um, just the general practitioner's office? Yes. Okay. And so he told me, and he was great. He, he was very helpful, but he told me that I did not need insulin. And he was going to put me on metformin and to do away with all of my insulin uh, I wasn't going to need to prick my finger anymore. Oh, the mower's coming by. I know. I heard it. But don't worry. So, but <laughs> Isn't that great? So now, not only is he telling you you have the wrong kind of diabetes, but now he's giving you bad advice for how to manage type 2 diabetes. You don't need to yeah. prick your finger. Don't worry about it. It's gonna. We're just going to take a pill, right? Yeah. You were probably yeah, relieved, yeah. no? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was relieved, but I also felt... This whole time, I felt something in my gut telling me that that wasn't right. Okay, good for you. And I have gotten really good at listening to my body and just knowing what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's, oh my goodness, this mower is really <clears throat> just making me angry. Okay, sorry. Don't, though, you're fine. Don't worry about it. I appreciate you caring. What do you think? Yeah. By the way, you didn't notice it before, and then I put it in your head, and now you're like, the mower's <laughs> following me. I think he just turned it off, so we'll see. <laughs> if you can tell what kind of mower it is, we can name your episode that. Is it a, is it a Toro? or? I don't know. Yeah. I can't see out the window. <laughs> okay, so go ahead. You're listening to your body. Uh-huh. I just got really good at listening to my body, and it was I just had in my brain that something was wrong. But I had already agreed to do an internship that summer four hours away from home. Mm. And so I traveled four hours away from home with my bottle of metformin. <laughs> mm. And I just tried to make it that summer. And we were constantly texting my doctor, just saying, my blood sugar is still running in the 500s. Every day you're but, living like that? Oh, yeah. Did you ever go in DKA? No. Mm-mm. Somehow. Oh, and and so you're, you're popping these metformins, probably eating very little. Uh-huh. Popping these metformins, you know, doing all that. I told them, I said, this isn't working. They switched me to Jardiance. Mm-hmm. That didn't work. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. And I got my insulin and I started giving it to myself. Ooh. And I had, I know, I, I was miserable. And I was like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. And no one was telling me what to do. No one was telling me how to do it. And I, when I tell you, I had no idea what I was doing. I was giving myself insulin after I was eating and I didn't have long lasting insulin. It was only fast acting. Yeah. And so I was giving myself insulin after I ate because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. And I remember texting my mom at one point and I was like, I think maybe I need to give myself insulin before I eat. It's like, I think maybe that would work better. And she was like, like you could try that you know and i just had no idea yeah but you're treating yourself like a type two even though you don't think that's true is that right yes okay i was still taking the pills but i started to give myself insulin were you losing a lot of weight not at this point i had before i was diagnosed but not at this point okay so you had already lost do you know how much you lost percentage of your body weight no i don't know how much but it was 
enough to notice. Okay. Well, I mean, listen, any insulin that you gave yourself was going to be valuable, obviously less valuable after you eat and without basal insulin, you know, still less Mm -hmm. valuable, but at least it was probably saving you. So how long did you do that for? I did that all summer. The whole summer? About two months. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. while you were off of the thing. Okay. Yes. Felt crappy the whole time? Yes. Mm -hmm. I was very sick and just tired. And I was just so confused because I was like, I thought I was supposed to be getting better. They told me that this was what I needed. And like I said, this whole time, I just felt something was very, very wrong with my diagnosis. And I was giving myself 10 shots a day around that. I mean, it was insane how much insulin I was having to give myself because I just didn't know how to use it. Right. And I remember I texted my mom and started asking about insulin. And my mom was great through all of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, she didn't know any better, you know, than I did, but she was very helpful. And I remember I texted her and started talking about insulin pumps and she messaged my primary care doctor about it. And he said, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't, deal with that and that's when he finally referred me to an endocrinologist wow that's the thing that saves you is asking for the pump because it gets you to a doctor who might actually know what's happening so did they immediately look at you and go hey we're gonna run some labs here Mm -hmm. yeah i told her kind of what was happening and before she even tested me she looked at me and she said you're type one and she did test my blood and and it did show type one but before I even did that, she just knew. She knew. Um, and so I got put on the Dexcom and the Omnipod pretty quickly after that. Okay. I and so you know, I, basal insulin going and, and yes. doing all the things and right. Yeah. Until I could get my Omnipod in, she gave me my long-acting insulin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> I don't even know what this is, you know? And... She taught me how to use it, and she told me what to do. What's the frame of time now from the time, like not from back in the fall, but when you actually end up somebody telling you you have type 2 diabetes until you get to the endo? How long is that process? That So I was diagnosed in April with type 2 diabetes, and then I went to see my endo at the beginning of August. Wow, four months. Yes. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Well, you're lucky you're alive. Um, Yes, you are correct. (laughs) Now, yeah. how, okay, so how do things proceed after that? Like, because there's a lot of, in your notes, there's a lot of talk here about like eating disorders, mental health, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So what, what, what started to happen? Yeah. So at this point, um, I was on the Omnipod and the Dexcom and I went back to school uh, for my junior year. And I just, I, I had better control over my numbers, but it, it wasn't perfect, obviously, and it's mm-hmm. not going to be. And that really bothered me because I felt like I had no control over my body. I felt like I had no control over my blood sugar. I just, I was frustrated with people not listening to me. And I just felt like I had no control over anything. Okay. And also, during the summer, I had gained some weight just from giving myself so much insulin and not and chasing lows with food and just I was just all over the place. Yeah. And I've always kind of had some body image issues, but it just really escalated whenever I gained some weight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I went back to school and I just felt very very out of control. Um I felt like I was doing everything wrong even though I was on the Omnipod and the Dexcom, I still didn't know what I was doing. Right. Yeah, so I just still didn't know what I was doing. felt very out of control. I talked to my endocrinologist, and she put me on Manjaro, which is basically the same thing as Ozempic. Um, yeah, wait, it's a, wait, a GLP-1. Actually, Manjaro, GLP-1 and GLP-2, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I think so. And she did that for you for weight or for blood sugar management or both? Yeah, it was mainly for the weight just because I had said... I had gained some weight and I just kind of felt like like the insulin was making me retain some weight. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure. But what I didn't know was that it's an appetite suppressant. I didn't know that. I just thought that it was going to help control my numbers better, therefore giving myself less insulin, which it did. 
Right. But it also suppressed my appetite. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and I, I didn't know that that was going to happen. And I have always kind of, like in high school and even in middle school, wished that I had the willpower to not eat. I would always tell myself that meant like, I just, I just didn't have that willpower, you know, cause it's normal for a human being to eat. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I had that willpower not to, because I was on this Manjaro. Yeah. And so that is exactly what I did was I stopped eating. And when I stopped eating, I was able to see my numbers be perfect. Because I wasn't taking I wasn't any, any carbs, really. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. aren't going to know. So you and I have a lot in common here because mm-hmm. I've, I'm on a GLP-1 drug, too. So I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Can you help me contextually? You don't have to. Just say no mm-hmm. if you don't want to. But how much weight did you gain and how much weight did you think you had to lose is my question. I gained probably 20 pounds mm-hmm. over the summer. And how much did you think you could stand to lose? I lost... I lost 60 pounds. Wow. Um, and that, that was weight I never should have lost. So that was too much? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How long did it take for that weight to come off? So I stopped eating. I mean, I was eating some, but I wasn't eating enough. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. That was from September to January. Wow. September. Yeah. October, November, yeah. December, January. Yeah, well, that's about what I expect from the drug, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, so here's how I, I would explain it to somebody. Your brain does not know if you're hungry or not. So you're not hungry in your head. Mm-hmm. Your stomach feels full, so you're physically not hungry. Mm-hmm. You can go on without eating forever without noticing it. Does that seem mm-hmm. about accurate for how you felt? Yes. Yes. And then on top of that, you're losing weight in other ways because of the medication as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And Yeah. But I also found that my blood sugar, like I said, was perfect. And I just felt like I had so much control yeah. over my life, over my body, over everything. I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need to be doing. And it was frustrating because I actually went into honeymoon during this time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is what my body wants me to do. This is what my body needs is to just not eat. Do you think it was a honeymoon, Kinley? Or do you think it was just you had you were so restricted on your intake that you just didn't need very much insulin? We still don't know. I talked to my endo about that. And she she doesn't know. Because yeah. I asked her, I was like, do you actually think I was in honeymoon? Or do you just think that I was restricting. And she was like, you know, I, I guess we'll never know. Mm, I have my guess. Yeah. So, uh, what did I want to ask you? So you didn't answer the one question, which I kind of need to formulate my next thought. So you had gained, you had gained 20, you lost 60. But my question Mm -hmm. is how much did you think you wanted to lose? You lost 60, but you didn't want that much. What was the number you were looking for? I wanted to go until I couldn't anymore. Oh, okay. So you had that mindset. I'm wondering like where, because if you just needed to lose 20 pounds, for example, I I mean, a GLP one is, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but that seems like overkill to lose Mm -hmm. 20, to lose 20 pounds because you are, if it works on you and it worked on you, you really, I mean, I'm 17 or 18 weeks into using Wegovi Mm -hmm. and I'm still like, every time I eat, I'm eating because I know I have to. I am not eating because I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I really have to eat something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in that sense, it can be good for people. Mm -hmm. I think I just had a very, very different mindset. And at first it was, oh, you know, this is great. Like, I just want to lose a few pounds, you know, nothing wrong with that, whatever. And it suddenly turned into, I want to have this control over my life, over my blood sugar. I want my blood sugar to be perfect. And I'm going to do that by not eating. Would you consider that an eating disorder or did you, or you consider Mm -hmm. it? You do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was diagnosed with anorexia. I went to the doctor in December and they diagnosed me and I got off of Manjaro and nothing changed. Oh, I see. 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. you did you ever have? Okay. So the question is, did you have an eating disorder ever prior to the type one, or do mm-hmm. you th- no? So you think that the GLP medication stops you from being hungry? Your insulin needs go down. It it sends you all that feeling of control, and then you get lost in the idea of I have to keep losing weight for this to keep happening. Is that right? Yes, it okay. was. It was just a series of things. I think, and I think, like I said, it started out as oh, I just want to lose a few pounds, and then it turned into, and I, and I think for a lot of people, that's what it is, you know, and that's all that it is. Mm-hmm. But mine just continued to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah, you snowballed, right? Yes, and then suddenly it turned less physical and more mental, mm-hmm. and I just craved this control when I was really completely losing control. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, I have a very like limited understanding of this has never happened to me, but I had this one experience. I had this one experience years ago where my, and this is going to sound weird. My dentist told me you have type two diabetes because I peed a bunch of times while I was having a long procedure. (laughs) And, and I was like, I would definitely know if I had type two diabetes. I'm like, I, I, you might even, I might be the guy you asked if you had diabetes. Like, I, I, I think I, I think I would know, you know? Yeah. But any, but nevertheless, I had drank a lot of water that day. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of was like, no, that's not right. But once he put it into my head, I went home and I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get a doctor's appointment. So I called and I made a doctor's appointment but it, for a physical, but I couldn't get there for like a I don't know, four or five days a week. Right. Mm-hmm. And for those days, I had real trouble eating because I thought, oh, what if I'm driving my blood sugar up and I have down, I'm testing my blood sugar because I have meters all over the place. My blood sugar is not high, but I'm still, it's in my head. As soon as they put it into my head, type two diabetes, I had trouble eating and it was really, I don't know that I'll ever find a way to articulate how manipulative it was to my actions. Yeah. Yeah. So it is very, and the more I've talked to people since going through this, the more common I found that it really is. Yeah. Cause it's just, you, you just have this sense of like, Oh, I just feel out of control. Like when my blood sugar is high, like I just want it to be perfect all the time. This is frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I just found that my blood sugar was perfect when I wasn't eating, but I, I pretty quickly found out, that was not sustainable. Yeah. This just for context, this 60 pounds off your frame left you like very thin. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Un- in an unhealthy way, visually even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when that's happening, you don't see it though, right? Uh, no, no. I did not. Yeah. I was also diagnosed with body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. And so I looked in the mirror and I saw what I was 60 pounds ago. Wow. I I have to tell you, so again, my only other frame of reference for this is I start taking Wegovy and I'm like overweight, like absolutely overweight. And I lose first five pounds. You're like, wow, I lost five pounds. You don't really notice much. And then suddenly I I could see my stomach shrinking, right? That was the first place I saw it. Like my my stomach wasn't sticking out as far. And I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. I look different. But then when my face changed, it was a big leap for me. Like I looked in the mirror and I thought, my face is thinner. I look different. I'm happier with how I look in my face. And I went on, I've lost 30 pounds so far. I'm nowhere near, like I need to lose more weight, right? Um, but I've lost 30 pounds. It's a big deal. I maintain, even if I don't lose weight one week, I maintain that weight. So I'm doing well. Like it's a very slow process. I'm happy with the, the speed of it. Like none of that. But the craziest ass thing happened like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I looked in the mirror and I thought, my face looks fat. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at a picture of myself versus three or four weeks ago. And my face is thinner now than it was three or four weeks ago. Yeah. So my face was round and, and, Cheruby. I lost weight. I recognized it, but I got used to that so quickly that the next time I looked at it again, I thought, oh, my face is fat. And that, that's, I'll tell you, was 
was really like an impactful moment for me. I was like, oh my God, I don't see myself right. And I don't think I have body dysmorphia. I think your brain just, get, for me, I think my brain is just getting used to what I'm looking at like. And then it, it tells you either you're okay, this is what you look like, or this is what you look like, and this isn't where you want to be. And then that's, it's, it's difficult to break free of that, mm-hmm. you know, for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just, I would, you know, people would tell me, my, my parents would tell me, you look sick, you know, you don't look good. Mm-hmm. And honestly, at that time, that's what my brain wanted to hear. For me, people telling me that I looked sick was what I, that's what I wanted. That meant thin. Yes, that, and when people told me they were worried about me, in my head it was like, oh, yeah, like this is good, you wow. know. And I remember even when I was diagnosed with anorexia by a doctor, and she told me that I could die, my brain was like, yeah, like this is good. I'm getting this there. Is what you want. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Isn't that like, crazy? So you felt um, empowered by them telling you you look like you were going to die. Yes. Wow. That, that's that is something. what my eating disorder, that's not what I wanted. Sure. It's not what Kinley wanted. It's what my eating disorder wanted. Yeah. And since, since then, I've gotten good at being able to tell the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. But then I thought that is what I wanted. And I was ha- happy when people were worried about me. Okay. Do you think the diabetes brought the eating disorder on? Or do you think the weight gain and then watching it come off brought it on? What do you think it I was? Think, I think it was both. Combination. Because I got very addicted to seeing the weight fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was weighing myself up to 10 times a day, you know, just constantly yeah. watching that scale drop. Were you really? Yeah. 10 times. Yeah. But then when it came to the diabetes and I just felt so out of control of my numbers, mm. um, and I found that not eating controlled my numbers. Wow. So now and then you, now my body got- my body went into honeymoon or whatever happened there. And it was very confusing for my brain. Yeah. Because in my head I was like, this is good. This mm. is what my body needs. This is what my body wants. Like I can I can take care of my diabetes by not eating. And never thinking about anything like nutrition or minerals or vitamins no. or any of the things that your body actually needs to keep going. No, I didn't care Yeah, at the time. Just how it looked mm-hmm. and, where, and where your blood sugar was and how you looked physically. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would, at the end of the day, I would look at my Dexcom graph and I would just see it like a sh- complete straight line. Mm. And I would just be like, yes. Like, that is what I want. That is good. Didn't matter that you weren't eating or or, or that somebody told you you weren't going to be alive much longer. Right. Yeah. Wow. Is that something? I, I mean, my eating disorder became became my best friend. How? And what'd you say? How? How? How is that? It just promised me. And, and I I always tell people when they ask me about my eating disorder that it's like a person in my head, it's a voice in your head. Mm-hmm. And it just told me that the things that I was doing, the things it was telling me to do were good and that people would love me. If I did them, people would find me attractive. If I did them, I had all the control in the world if I followed all of its rules. And it just became something. And 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 it paid you, I, it paid you back too, right? Like it promised something and then it gave it to you. Yeah, and like if I would restrict or if I would purge um, or exercise, it would congratulate me. And it was so nice to me in my head. And it would tell me how beautiful I am, how skinny I am, how in control I was of my life. But if I would eat something I wasn't, quote unquote, supposed to or said something, it would just beat me up. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell me the most awful things. And so it was just easier to do what it wanted. And I just didn't know how to fight that voice at the time. Wow. That's something. And how are you feeling now? Um, so after I was diagnosed by a doctor, I decided to go to treatment in January. Um, and so I did a PHP 
treatment program for 11 weeks. And then I did an IOP program for, I think, seven, six or seven weeks. Okay. Um, and now I'm out of treatment. Good for you. And during that time, my diabetes came back or, you know, obviously my blood sugar was raising again. And that was really, really, really tough to work through mm. because I just felt like I was doing something wrong to my body. I felt like this isn't right. This isn't what my body wants. But working with my dietitian and my therapist, we found ways to control my blood sugar and to help me feel like I had control over my body without restricting. Can you tell me some of the ways you accomplished that? Well, I got back on my pump while I was in treatment because I had gotten off of it because I just wasn't eating enough to even need it. Mm-hmm. So I got off my pump and I got back on it and we just would dose for everything correctly. And I honestly still like at that point didn't really know how to like carb count and dose myself correctly. And so correctly. So we worked on that and just worked on like how to control my blood sugar with insulin. And that was when I really learned Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is what I need to do. And I also switched to the T slim during that time. Okay. And I like it a lot more than the Omnipod. And so that was very helpful. What did you like better about it? Um, I just think it's more aggressive. Like when my blood sugar is high, it just always like gets me down pretty quickly. And sometimes the Omnipod, yes, the algorithm, I I love it. And it just helped me feel more in control. All right. So now I have a difficult question for you that, and by the way, you've done a really lovely job of talking about all this. I hope I've been as sensitive as you need me to be. I, I, this is not a subject I know like a ton about. So, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to ask you a question that you may or may not have an answer to, but really give it a second. Mm -hmm. Let's go back in a time machine to the day you think you have diabetes and you're going to go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Are there things, an alternate reality that could have happened that would have avoided all this? Yeah. What do you think those things are? Being sent to an endocrinologist right away. You just think those um, four months is what got you messed up? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ta- I mean, d- during that time was when I gained quite a bit of weight because I didn't know how to dose myself correctly. And I'm not saying that insulin makes you gain a whole bunch of weight, but the way that I was doing it, it did. Well, you were, to be clear to people, you were randomly giving yourself insulin at meals based on yeah. like, you're like, Hey, I think this maybe is a thing. Cause my blood sugar's 500. And <laughs> then you were making yourself low at points and taking in a bunch of carbs. So you were taking yeah. even more carbs and your blood sugars mm-hmm. are bouncing all over the place. You're throwing insulin yes. here and there. That Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. That is what I was doing. It was not controlled right. by any means. And it, and it was hard for me when I was in treatment, when I got back on my insulin to believe that I wouldn't just gain all that weight again. Mm-hmm. And, and I I still struggle with that sometimes just because I've experienced that. And in my head, I'm just like, oh, that's going to happen again. But it hasn't. Right. <laughs> and I'm still teaching myself that. And now that I have, and it's not perfect, obviously. Some days are really crappy. But now that I have the means to control my blood sugar, it's a lot better. Good. But yeah, I believe that I should have been sent to an endocrinologist right away. I think that whether you're type one or type two, you should see an endocrinologist. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. I think that that should have happened pretty quickly. And I think a lot of this could have been avoided possibly. Well, and isn't it, I mean, interesting. This is the impacts that got you the eating disorder, like that kind of stuff. But it very easily could have been a different impact or you could have actually had type two diabetes and been scared of food. Like I talked about before. And like, there's just, you know, a number of, I guess there's one good path and there are so many possible bad paths, you know, and it's not, it's not, it's not poor intentions. It's not, it's just that, if you, the doctor doesn't know what to tell you, if they don't tell it to you in a way that you can understand, if it isn't information that's actionable, if they don't, I think one of the biggest mistakes that all doctors could make is giving you like a step 
like say you're in a three-step process. Uh, I don't know what the step is. We're going to start with basal insulin and these are your settings, but they don't tell you these settings are going to change. And so I've seen people get lost and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like I've done everything I was told, but my blood sugars are higher than they should be. Like that pain, that kind of psychological torment that you go through minute by minute, day after day is unnecessary and could have been stopped by just saying, hey, these are your settings, but we expect these are going to change pretty quickly. So if you don't start getting what you expect, let us know. We'll change the settings. All you, That's all you have to do. Just say the rest of it, you know. Right. And otherwise, people end up in just a myriad of different crappy situations. Yours is one of them, but I've heard a ton others, too. You know, and it's all about how it starts in that beginning, like what you understand and what you expect. That's my opinion. So. And I don't blame anyone. I don't blame my doctor. I don't blame my parents. I don't blame anyone. Hmm. We just didn't know. You know, and now that I do know, I want to make it known for other people. Yeah. Well, Kinley, you're very nice, but I knew you just didn't know me. There are other doctors that knew you just didn't know them. Like, I'm not saying anybody like willfully messed you up. Right. I know. Right. I know. And and you're very nice. It's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. of course. You're, You're very nice to protect people. And that's lovely. But I'm saying that. There's a base amount of knowledge that if any doctor had, wouldn't have led you down this path. And I don't want you to be mad about it, or I, you sound very kind of right. like healthy about it, honestly, which is nice. I don't understand <laughs> you're 21. Why are you so nice? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're not mad. You're not angry. You're not blaming anybody. I'm not mad. Yeah. No. I, I, if I think about it too long, I get frustrated. Sure. Um, but I just have to... Get past it. Just, yeah, I mean, that's how it happened. I have a great doctor now. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. And I'm I'm good now. When you talk about it in treatment uh, for your eating disorder, uh-huh. is there talk like this is a thing you get past? Is it, a, is it a thing you always look for? Are you living with it? Like, what's the phrasing around it? Does that make sense? My eating disorder? Yeah, like, you know, when somebody will tell you, like, it's not like you're a cured alcoholic. You're an alcoholic who's not drinking currently. Like, is it like that, or how does it go? Right. I think, for me, the voice of my eating disorder, I don't want to say is always going to be there. I'm pretty fresh out of treatment, you know. I had the summer to be at home and stuff, but the voice is still there. And, like, when I eat something that maybe I wouldn't have eaten in my eating disorder or I lay in my bed instead of exercise or something like that, the voice can get loud and can tell me things Mm -hmm. that just aren't nice. But I have learned in treatment how to battle that voice and how to stand up against that voice. And so I would say the voice has gotten quieter, but it's still there. I just know how to stand up to it. Gotcha. And so it's still a struggle and Mm -hmm. it's still, you know, I consider myself still in active recovery um, and every day is different. Some days are a lot harder than others. And and people tell me, people that have had an eating disorder or work with eating disorders, that it it can go away and it it can be different. Like in the past, it could feel, it's possible that one day it'll feel like a thing that used to happen to you doesn't happen anymore. Yes, yes. And, and I haven't experienced that yet. Right. It's definitely, it's gotten so much better. And I'm at a point where, like I said, I consider myself in recovery, but I've heard that one day it can go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I hope that as you know, yeah. and when I keep fighting it and just keep um, doing what I can to stand up against it, um, hopefully one day it can go away. Yeah, that's amazing. But until then, I'll continue to fight it. Yeah, and you handle it the way you're handling it right now. Do you, is it um, is there maintenance like mental health maintenance? Do you go to meetings or see somebody f- with frequency? How does that work? Yeah, I still see a dietitian and a therapist, and I meet with them every other week. Okay, very cool. Are you um? How did you find the podcast? Like, why do you know about this? <laughs> uh, my mom listens to it all the time uh she loves this podcast and she told me about it oh and so i listened to it started listening to it cool 
So do you actually yeah. listen or does she listen and then bug the crap out of you about it? She listens more than I do, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like she it. always she's like, I went on a walk this morning and I listened to the new podcast. Like, let me tell you what it's about. Blah, blah, blah. And she she loves it. But uh, yeah, well, tell her I said hello. Thank you. <laughs> I will let her. Know. She'll be thrilled. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny to me because I don't feel that way. But because uh, <laughs> like I know what I'm doing after you and I record. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what your mom thinks happens after I get done doing this, but yeah, <laughs> she probably thinks that you go to like get, know, get in, sit like, on a, a throne. Yeah, 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 I probably jump in like a gold Mercedes and drive around and talk to like Jake Cole <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, none of that happens. <laughs> well, we'll just let her continue to believe. Yeah, that. let her have that that fantasy. That's good for her. It's good okay, for everybody to think good. that. Everyone should yeah. think that I'm a very famous and happy person. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. Kinley, tell me about um, the role of friends in this whole process. Did you enlist people to support you or did you do it by yourself? What happened there? Oh, my goodness. I'm just like smiling when you said that. My friends were just amazing. And I love my friends so much. And I'm just I'm so happy to be back with them this semester because I I took the semester off of school to go to treatment. And that was a really, really, really tough decision. Because I love college. Like, I just, it is just my thing. I love it so much. And I lived with all of my friends, you know, and I had to leave them mm-hmm. all because I couldn't eat, you know? Yeah. And it was more than that. But like, I would beat myself up a lot about having to leave them. But they were just the most supportive. And I would come home sometimes on the weekends and visit um, at school. And they would make a point to come and see me and they would text me and call me. And they were just so ready for me to get better. And I, and it was hard to take the semester off, but I knew it was either stay at school, be miserable, get worse. I mean, in all honestly, pos- honesty, possibly die mm-hmm. or go get better and have an awesome senior year. And you handle and so, it with a lot of honesty, like, guys, I'm leaving for a while. I'm going to yeah. go work on my eating disorder, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they they kind of noticed some things, but I didn't really open up about it until, like, November, December. Okay. Um, And I told some of my closest friends kind of what was going on. And then, yeah, I was just very honest with them that I needed help. Excellent. And I needed to go somewhere. And they accepted that they were sad obviously but they 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 saw me they knew that i needed help Mm -hmm. and they wanted me to get help interesting and so i went to treatment and like i said i would visit them we would call we would talk and it was really hard being away but they made it easy they they just made it i couldn't have done it without them i'll be honest yeah that's excellent getting to come back this semester and everyone's like moving in yesterday and today and just getting to see everyone and everyone's just so excited that I'm back and I'm so excited to be back. It's just, I'm, I'm really happy that I got treatment when I did. Yeah. It's a big year for you too, right? Your senior year. Yeah. It's my senior year. Pretty cool. Uh, what are you going to do after school? I want to go to grad school is my plan, but I want to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll take a little bit of schooling. But I want to work with girls with eating disorders. Yeah. And this is something you wanted to do prior to all this. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I've always wanted to be a therapist. Uh, My dad is a therapist. And so he kind of inspired me growing up to want to do that. And so, and I, I had had friends in high school and a couple in college that had eating disorders, but it's something that you don't really understand until you go through it. Because mm-hmm. I remember them telling me things and I was like, oh, I don't really understand that. But, you know, I'm here for you. And looking back, I'm like, oh, that's exactly how I feel, yeah. you know. And so I believe as sucky as it was, I believe that I've been given a gift to be able to help other people that deal with the same thing. And maybe not right now, just because I am still in recovery. But once I'm done with grad school, I believe that I'll be ready to be able to help other people. Oh, good for you. That's wonderful. Yeah. Very nice. Um, is there anything we haven't talked about that we should have? Mm, I don't think so. You did okay. Excellent. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, what about, do you have any other autoimmune issues? I do not. 
How about other type one in your family line on either side? Nope. Nothing. How about that? Nothing. Grandmoms with thyroid problems? Uh, my grandma. Yeah, my grandma has a hypo. Uh-huh. Which one's the one? I think it's where it goes. There's too much or it goes too fast or something. Hypo and hyperthyroidism? Yeah. Right? Does she have Hashimoto's, do they say? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Um, let's I don't really see. Either. Yeah, oh, it's not a thing you would really know <laughs> until this stuff starts to come up. How about ce- anybody have celiac, gluten allergy? Uh, yeah, my grandma also has celiac. Mm-hmm. I think we're figuring this out. <laughs> She's great. Yeah, give her a call. Tell her she might be she might have given you type one diabetes. Oh, don't say that. Don't tell her that. She's too old. Let her live. So, um, <laughs> you know, she's so sweet. Yeah, I'm sure. No, it's just you'll often see other autoimmune issues like somewhere in family lines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have some type two, but there's no type one. Just the celiac and the, and the thyroid. Yep. Which are autoimmune. So, um, yeah. okay. That's interesting. Do you, this is such a weird question because you're young, but do you think about having kids? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Um, eventually eventually okay this is the thing you're interested in doing okay um 21 that's how old you are right mm-hmm. yeah it's it's weird when the when the thoughts come to people at different ages about yeah. having kids it's weird to think about that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right because like are you dating <laughs> no no i mean i'm not dating someone right now but yeah but not i i see I, what you're saying you're like kindly's like i've had people i yeah. have dated <laughs> don't try to but not at it. the moment but at the moment i don't have somebody but I, it's not like i couldn't and right, uh yeah, right. yeah no i got you anybody listening like no i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah don't think that <laughs> no i understand i understood what you meant um uh, wow so like your plan just go back learn hang out with your friends have fun try to get to grad school do you think you'll go to grad school in tennessee or do you think you'll leave I think that I'll go to grad school in Tennessee. Yeah, right now I'm interning at a church um, in the town next to my college, mm-hmm. and I'm the youth intern there. And so, hopefully, maybe at some point that will work out uh, for me to be there while I'm in grad school um, or something like that. So, I definitely want to have some sort of job either in youth ministry. Um, or in counseling while I'm in grad school. My son's in Atlanta with his first out of school, out of college job. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what, what is it you don't like Atlanta? He goes, man, it's so hot here. He's like, it's <laughs> so hot and it's so humid. And It is really hot. Yeah, but... And he's like, it just rains here constantly. Yeah. He's like, I, you know, anyway. All right. So you're, <laughs> yeah, a, ten- you're but... a Tennessee girl. You want to stay. That's fine. Yeah. I would like to stay, I think. W- Western Tennessee. Is mm-hmm. that like. I don't know the map that well, Kinley. I don't know where you're Wait, at. Oh, I don't either. Oh, oh, Whatever uh, you're about to ask me, I probably don't know the answer to. All right, hold on. Let's take a look. I was going to say you're like more towards, I was going to say Missouri, but am I about right about that? Like Arkansas? Don't, you don't even know? I love that. <laughs> I don't think that's close to me. Are you, wait, but you're in Western Tennessee? Yeah. Closer to Kentucky or closer to Mississippi? Closer to Mississippi. I think. Honey, you're you're real you're close to Arkansas too then. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, you gotta I'm get, not. You gotta get a map and look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, Arkansas is like four hours away from All right. Okay. That's still that's pretty I mean, Tennessee's a pretty wide state. I don't know where I am. It just looks like Tennessee looks like uh, I can't describe this to you because you're not from around here, but it looks like the way like artisan people cut their pizza in squares. <laughs> it's like long and you would understand. And so, okay. but, okay. but if you were, okay, so you're not, if you just went South, just mm-hmm. South, would you end up in Alabama or Mississippi? If I went South, I would end up in Mississippi and then I would end up in Alabama. <laughs> Honey, you, you, I swear you do not understand. Do you want to, do you have, are you on a, a phone with me or a computer? I have a computer, but I have my phone. All right. I want you to pull up a, a US map. Just go to Google. Uh, we're going to okay. do this together and then we're going to stop. Okay. Well, I, I swear I'll let you out of this in a second, but we got to make it fun for your mom who loves the podcast and is going to be like, Oh, I love that he did this to her. She's going to be so embarrassed. Oh no, no. Me, she, but... Well, yeah. I mean, listen, she probably could have done a better job teaching you about geography, but that's, <laughs> too late now 
<laughs> okay, tell me when you have a U.S. map up. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Yes, Seriously, yeah. go to a browser, type in Google U.S. Uh, map, click on it. Okay. All right. Oh, wait. It's making me download. You don't have to download anything. What are you, McKinley, what's happening? <laughs> Just go to Google. Oh. There's a map right at the top when you Google U.S. map. Do you see I it? I know, but then I click it, it makes me download. Oh. All right, you got okay. it? Uh, yeah. All right. Do you see now where you're at in relation to other states? Tennessee. Yeah, I see Tennessee. All right. So if you're west, I'm close. To, I'm kind of close to Nashville. Okay. Kind of, but oh, not really. So that okay. So that's dead center. It, are you more towards the west of Nashville? You, all right. First of all, do you know which way le- west is left? <laughs> do you know? <laughs> do you know? Never eat shredded wheat. Have you ever heard that? Yes. Okay. So north is at the top, then east, like at three o'clock on the clock, and then south is okay, at okay, six okay. o'clock. I'm I'm catching your drift now. All right. All right. So are you west of Nashville? Yep. Are you closer to Kentucky or Mississippi? Your mom just died inside. She's on a walk. (laughs) Like, think about this. She's out walking right now. She's like, oh, Kinley went on the podcast. She's talking all about her eating disorder and everything. It's so cool. She's trying to share with other girls. And now she's at the end and she's like, oh, my God, everyone's going to hear this. And (laughs) that's so embarrassing. Wait, I'm looking Kentucky. You're closer to Uh, Kentucky. No, no, no. Closer to Mississippi. I think. Yeah. You see how close you are to Arkansas then? How far are you from Memphis? Like an hour. So you're an hour from Arkansas. I really just want to tell you where I live, but I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, tell me and they'll bleep it out. Where do you live? I live in. Okay. So hold on. I'm going to get a map. And I'm going to go. By the way, Rob, edit out where she lives, please. I'm not talking to you right now. Um, I'm, I'm. talking to the person Thank who's going to edit the show you're welcome i i appreciate that. i was i went to tennessee once as a child really yeah um for like a, a vacation but i oh, think we were in why Nashville. were you vacationing in tennessee? i don't know i was young they made me go there i don't get the, Did you go to gatlinburg probably probably went to all the like you know you go to the mountains tourist traps yeah the smoky mountains right that kind of thing yes that's but, in gatlinburg okay so i see where you are in okay, okay yeah I, it's possible that if you worked out a little bit, you could throw a ball from where you are to Arkansas. That's the first thing. <laughs> I'm not close to Arkansas. In, in what world do you not think you're close to Arkansas? How, cl- how close are you thinking that I am? Well, I mean, there's like a river, right? Hold on oh. a second. Hold on a second. I'm getting this. Give me a second. It's the yeah. You are you are you are closer to Arkansas if you went dead west than you are to Memphis. Uh uh. God damn yes, you are. I go I go through Memphis to get to Arkansas. You go through Memphis to go to Arkansas. Yeah, but you don't have to. I'm saying if you if you were able to drive just due west and not have to follow whatever highway you're accustomed to following, you are like distance wise closer to the border of Arkansas than you are to Memphis. Well, okay. I think you need to spend at least 20 minutes on TikTok figuring out where you live. Okay. <laughs> no, I know where I live and that's all that matters. You should go up to girls that you know in like your dorm and go, hey, do you know we live near Arkansas? <laughs> See what they, they would say? probably be like, yes, Kinley, we do know that. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Kinley, I appreciate you uh, screwing around with me at the end of this. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Hold on for me for one second. Okay. Okay. I can't stress enough how important it is for you to go to t1dexchange.org slash juicebox and complete the survey. It's super simple to do. I've done it myself. It took me fewer than 10 minutes. They say on the website, 15 minutes. Maybe my clicking finger is faster than some people's. I'm telling you, you're going to do a lot of good. You're going to support the podcast, support people with type 1 diabetes, support diabetes research, and you're going to feel good about yourself in just 15 minutes. t1dexchange.org slash juice box a huge thanks to a longtime sponsor touched by type one please check them out on facebook instagram 
and at touchedbytype1.org. If you're looking to support an organization that's supporting people with type 1 diabetes, check out Touched by Type 1. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. If you have type 2 or pre-diabetes, the Type 2 Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juicebox Podcast is exactly what you're looking for. Do you have a friend or a family member who is struggling to understand their type 2 and how to manage it? This series is for them. Seven episodes to get you on track and up to speed. Episode 860, Series Intro. 864, Guilt and Shame. Episode 869, Medical Team. 874, Fueling Plan. Episode 880, Diabetes Technology. Episode 885, GLP-1s, Metformin, and Insulin. And in episode 889, we talk about movement. This episode is with me and Jenny Smith. Of course, you know Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's a registered and licensed dietitian. And Jenny has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. Too many people don't understand their type 2 diabetes. And this series aims to fix that. Share it with a friend or get started today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. The episode you just heard was professionally edited by Wrong Way Recording. WrongWayRecording.com.